Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you're having a good day and glad you're tuning in and listening. I really want to thank all of my listeners who send me emails, cards, call me and express how helpful my work is for all of you. That's really all I've ever wanted. And I just want to be able to meet you where you are to reach you wherever you are across the United States, around the world, the various countries that are listening in. And it really warms my heart when people tell me that the shows that I've had on and the guests that I've had mean something to them and that they really appreciate the information that they're getting. Today, I wanted to talk about dementia and how it affects the family. Because we have many, many situations where families are not getting along about the care of a person. They're not in agreement with what the diagnosis is. And I hear this over and over. I just had a class this past Wednesday. And some of my people that were on the the class in the class on the call we're talking about how there are people in the family who just argue with them and say the diagnosis was wrong or you know people disagreeing with how the care should be handled and the problem is that you know you and the rest of your family everybody's important but when you get a dementing illness Involved, it is a heavy burden on the entire family. It's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be financial sacrifices. It it could be mean somebody accepting the reality, and and you accepting that someone isn't going to be the same person that they used to be. That the world is changing and you're not going to have the fulfillment that you thought you were going to have. As soon as you get a diagnosis, everything changes. And the world as you knew it is going to be different. And the dreams that you had might have to be altered. And these are really, really tough things. And then You know, this just continues on and on, and the responsibilities and the relationships within the family change. It could mean disagreements within the family. You can feel overwhelmed, discouraged, isolated, angry, depressed. And the person with dementia, they don't know how to interact with all this. They don't know what to do when everybody is arguing amongst themselves. There's nothing they can do. They suddenly become like they are a major burden to everyone. They see the stress that is happening. And we don't often take the time to stop and recognize what ways we can improve what is happening and how we can de-stress everyone from being so angry. And, you know, almost all families do care about their sick members as long as they don't get sick. <laughs> they they care about the person deeply. They don't want to dump them anyplace in a nursing home or anything, you know, but they don't know how to keep close tabs without being overwhelming or rude to other family members. Um, Some people do direct care. Some people don't do the direct care. And they always, everybody seems to have an equal opinion, though. I mean, that is really tough 
when you have somebody who's not even there day in and day out trying to tell you what they think the situation is or how the the journey should go you know i think i think 90% of the time families struggle because everybody genuinely cares and a lot of times families can become closer and they can learn to cooperate and work with each other to care for somebody but the pressures of caring for an impaired person no matter how you slice it it's going to create some conflict in the family or cause disagreements and what do you do when they flare up what do you do you know it's hard when you see somebody decline it is it's painful there's nothing fun about it but when the problems arise in the family that just makes the disease exponentially worse it just does and you know here's the thing not all the experiences that you will have on this journey with dementia will be unhappy ones you can find moments of joy you can you can discover ways to work together i mean you really can you can take pride in learning to cope with all these difficult situations that you're that you're under you can do that without cutting other people down without hurting other people what do you need to do to resolve the anger issues and and work together as a team it's hard it can be really hard but when you can look at the problems that are occurring and you can say to yourself look i can take this part while you take that part you help mom or dad with the situation all work on the finances all provide money because i don't want to be involved in the care all do all do some things to be able to interact and have moments of engagement with whoever the person is right find the find the topics find the interest where you can be the most helpful don't feel like you have to handle everything let other people in the family take a piece and if you can you know figure out what role everybody has try to find ways for everybody to cope with the changes in those roles and figure out a way to have resolution conflict and get your own feelings heard their own feelings heard and everybody work together and if you have somebody that doesn't want to work with you then feel free i believe to tell them to butt out if they are not helpful they don't come around they don't take the person for a drive every so often they don't spend time with them they don't come over and put them to bed they don't take them to doctor appointments they're not cleaning their house they're not paying their bills then you have my permission to tell them to go screw themselves that's really how i feel about it we need to be able to either work together work apart or don't work with me at all if you're getting in my way and how you can tell people you know how the disease is is progressing and if they say well they don't see it there's been a misdiagnosis or something like that you know how you fix that let them come and stay with that person or take the person with the diagnosis to stay with them for a weekend and don't answer your phone i promise you they will get the education of a lifetime caring for that person when you're not around and they haven't got a clue what's going on i really truly mean that because i hear so many people saying gosh my sister-in-law just gives me grief left and right because she doesn't believe her brother has this problem and that i'm just trying to take the money 
Well, like I said, let her come over and stay with him for an entire day while you go out of town. 24 hours, 48 hours, that'll really fix it. <laughs> you don't have to put up with crap like that. You really, really don't. And learn to be able to say to people, what you're saying to me is not helpful. I appreciate that you think you're being helpful, but you don't、um, understand the situation. Why don't you read this book? Why don't you listen to this podcast with Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz and learn a little bit about the diagnosis before you come and tell me that I'm not doing a good job? Now, having said that, I want to get back to the people who just don't get along. that... Can't figure out how to designate roles and responsibilities. We have to figure out the jobs each person has in the family. The roles include who you are and, and how you are seen and what is expected of you. And by role, I mean the person's place. In their family, head of household or mother, whatever,、um, the person everybody turns to. And roles can be established over years and years and sometimes aren't easy to define, right? And sometimes just the tasks that we do sort of symbolize to us what our role is. Trying to figure out what you need to do. Is it a new responsibility to you? Is it keeping the checkbook or doing the laundry for them? Are you, faced with, are you the person that's faced with the day to day needs of the confused person? You know, sometimes people balk at accepting or adjusting to whatever their role is. So it's imp- important for you to sit down and talk about. What their strengths are and what they can bring to the table, and why they would be important in that role, and then have monthly conversations where you can talk about the changes that are happening with the person with the diagnosis, the changes that are happening with your role,、uh, the expectations of others, of what you should be doing. If you agree with it or don't agree with it, and try to, try to understand the personal feelings and problems that can arise with your other family members. Don't be sitting in judgment of them. You know, try to remember that you know, you've had to cope with the changes in your role, so they're probably coping with the changes in their roles, and, and try to help everybody adjust to it. There's so many things people can do. They can learn new skills. They can learn new responsibilities that in, involve energy and effort and means that they have to work at what they are doing to be helpful. And, you know, there are people who may not want to take on new tasks. I, I see this all the time. There are. There are people who never did the laundry or never cleaned or never did anything like that. Usually it's men that haven't done those kinds of things. Their wives always took care of it. And then there are wives who have never paid a bill.、Um, their husband always took care of it. That was kind of the way that that worked.、Um, and when you, when you take on those new roles and you really didn't want to, what happens? You shrink stuff in the laundry. You throw. Colors in with whites, and you ruin a whole load of clothes and stuff, and everybody around you gets mad. <laughs> Could have been a special sweater or something like that.、Um, these are things that, that you're taking on that you may need to really give some attention and to read labels and separate whites and colors and know what. Temperature to put everything on. Don't just haphazardly jump into a task that you know nothing about. Learn a little bit about it. This is where you become helpful. When you don't do those kinds of things, it just really ticks everybody off and 
and you are really struggling with making anybody happy, but you lick your own wounds because at least you tried. You know, here's the thing. If you're going to try, try and do it right the first time. It's like you would never measure once and cut once. You measure twice and cut once. You make sure that you know what is expected in this task and learn a little bit about it so that you're able to complete the role. And like I was talking about, about paying the bills, maybe you never did that. So maybe you have to go on the computer and learn all the passwords that your spouse had and try to figure out, you know, what was online payments and what did they write checks for and what is what bill. And if you don't recognize something, don't just shut it off. It could be something important. You know, in addition to having the job itself, you know, the realization that you have to take this job away from your spouse really can bring home in a bad way, hit you right in the chest, that there's a lot of sad changes that are taking place and that you're now kind of alone in this relationship. You know, you've lost your partner, your your family's not helping, Um you can't lean on that spouse anymore. Suddenly you have to be independent and you were never independent. You were always right there side by side with your spouse. That can make anybody feel overwhelmed, right? And then add all these new tasks onto it. But at the same time, learning these skills gradually will help you enormously to be able to move forward and to do it well and not feel like you're stumbling around in the dark with your eyes closed. You know, what you, what you really want to do is give yourself a sense of accomplishment and give your other family members a sense of accomplishment, that they're doing something that matters, that they can handle whatever you've given them. Okay, because we can get so upset about somebody doing something wrong that we never stop to think if we walked in their shoes, how would we have done something we didn't know anything about? Seriously. And a lot of times these problems seem insurmountable because they involve both changes in roles and the need for you to learn. And when you're upset and you're tired, it's harder than ever. You know, thinking to yourself, you know, that you really, you really can do this. You can handle things. You can, you can help everybody else with their roles. You can give practical solutions to, to your other family members. You know, just learning this stuff gradually will get you where you need to go. It will. And you can save yourself frustration or, you know, being burned out or ruining laundry just by getting some advice from somebody. How do I do this? How do I cook this meal? How do I work a full-time job and still come home and, and be able to do the things that I need to do? You know, look at brochures, look at recipes, look online. Google has a solution for every freaking thing on the planet. You don't have to just do things and hope that you get it right. There is instruction everywhere you turn. There really is. And instead of thinking of this as a bad thing, especially if you're a spouse taking things over, Think about it as like a symbol of independence, that you're able to do these things on your own. You know, it's it's never easy when you're not accustomed to cooking, when you're not accustomed to doing anything with a bank account or managing money, you know, but but you can... You can even go to like a local bank and the bank staff will tell you how to balance a checkbook. Okay? Uh, a lawyer can help you draw up, 
the list of all your confused person's assets and debts. Um, they can help you figure out financial affairs that nobody told you about. Okay? You can do things like that. You really, really can. You just have to start. You just have to start. And when adult children are taking this over, it always feels like a role reversal. It always feels like now we're the parent and they're the child. And that is uncomfortable. Right? They may not want you to know about their finances. You've never been in their financial business. They don't want to talk about it now. You might feel guilty about taking over those tasks because it just doesn't feel good and you're full of sadness and grief at all the losses and this is just one more. This is just one more and now it means you have to do it. Right? And a lot of us as adults still feel that our parents are parents and that we are the children and that we want to maintain that relationship as long as we can, but everything's pushing you to do what you can to take this over. And I'll tell you what, not everybody has a good relationship with their parents. And if a parent has not been able to let their grown children feel grown up, a lot of unhappiness and conflict has happened over the years. And then all of a sudden, whoa, the parent has dementia. And they seem demanding and they seem manipulative of you. You know, you can find yourself feeling angry about that. You can feel like you're trapped in this situation and, and there's nothing you can do and you don't want to. That happens all the time. And what seems demanding to you might feel different to the impaired person, right? They might be feeling that with just a little bit of help, they can hold on to their independence and do those tasks and stay in their house, right? And they hope that, you know, as they decline, they'll be able to respond to the various levels of of the loss and still do what they need to do. And half the time that makes family members, especially children, feel embarrassed about having to take those tasks and physically care for a parent. Like, you know, giving their mom or dad a bath or changing their underwear. Right? And and we're not even thinking about their dignity at the time. We're just thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. This is more than I ever thought I was going to take on. Oh, my Lord. These kind of things happen all the time. It happens all the time. And the, the dynamic of the family is just, it's so off the chart. It's so overwhelming. It can get so emotional. It can get so angry. So what can we do? What can we do? We have to look at what our skills are and what we can bring to the table. Don't judge other people. Just be responsible for what you're doing and what you need to do and learn what you can about the task that's going to be at hand for you. I mean, it's really hard. And on a lot of different levels, you know, it's everything from half the family wanting the person to go into a nursing home and the other half saying, no, that will, that's all our inheritance going down the drain. Um, people saying, if you just would have kept that person more active, they would have been better as if you just let them kind of go down this path by themselves. The misunderstanding that incurs in families is off the chart. It's dense. It's, it's vast. And it's problematic. So we're going to take a short break, and I'm going to talk about 
the division of responsibility. We'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so today I'm talking about family conflict the division of responsibility, the roles that people need to take on. Some do and some don't, and it causes problems. So the responsibility of caring for an impaired person sometimes can't be evenly shared because There's one person carrying out almost all the tasks and taking care of the person, and there are family members who live somewhere else or a family member who's in poor health or they're not financially able to help. They may have problems with their own marriage, their own children, or their own decline in cognition and memory. And a lot of times there's stereotypes about who should be helping, right? Like a lot of times people think that it's the daughters and the daughter-in-laws that are supposed to take care of the sick people and all that. Sometimes it's the, the oldest son should be taking care of everything. And when you get those long-established roles and those expectations within the family – even if some of the people are unaware of them, they play an important part of determining who's going to care for that person with dementia. Make no doubt about it. That's the way it rolls. It just is. And it's not always logical. And it's not always based on the most practical or fair way to do things. Sometimes there's been deep long-established arguments and resentments and conflicts in the family that are made exponentially worse by somebody getting dementia, right? And sometimes family members fail to help as much as they might because it's difficult for them to accept the reality of the impaired person's illness. They can't, they can't bear seeing that person. They don't want to see their future. They don't want to think that they could ever get this disease. It's painful to watch a person you love decline. And people that that don't always have the burden of the daily care, they just stay away because they think that seeing that per- person declining is just going to make them sad. It's just going to make them angry. It's going to send them into a depression. And other family members see this as desertion. Like, where the hell are you? Do you think I don't feel the same way? You don't think I don't have those same feelings of of feeling sad or wondering if I'm going to be the next person to get this? Oh, that happens all the time. I mean, I'm just going to say it. That's not a good reason. I get it, but I'm not giving anybody out there a pass on that. 
I'm just not going to do it because everybody feels the same pain and the same loss when it's someone you love. And just because you're afraid of seeing that person decline is not a good reason to stick your head between your tail and not help. It's just not okay. And somebody needs to tell you that. So I'm more than happy to do it today. I am obviously showing my emotion today because I am agitated by the the people that just refuse to help but always have an opinion on how the care is going. And sometimes family members have strong different ideas of how things should be done, right? They do. Not everybody understands what's wrong with the person. They don't understand the way they act. They don't know. They don't understand what can be expected of the person. And they don't share the day-to-day experiences. They don't know what a person who has dementia really is like. And they might be critical or unsympathetic to the whole thing. That happens all the time. It's hard for people on the outside to realize how that daily burden of the constant care can wear on you. And they don't realize it unless you tell them. And then we tell them and we feel like it falls on deaf ears. What do you do about that? Well, I think that sometimes... Sometimes you have to go outside to get extra help. You have to call a home care company, call your friends, call your clergy, call whoever you need just so you can get some rest. You know, if if you have that family member that's not helping and not understanding, ask them to attend a support group in their community or something or volunteer some time in a program for people with dementia so that they'll understand what you're facing. Because the person who provides most of the care should make all the final decisions to use in the daycare, the in-home care, the nursing home, and fewer misunderstandings can happen when people are informed and they have resources and they know what people are paying for costs and so on and so forth. Yeah, I really do believe that you should have those people either spend a a day or two with your person overnight, go to a support group, volunteer at the local Alzheimer's Association or something like that so that they will get off your back and understand a little bit better of what you're going through because it is not fair and it's irritating. And when the person with the diagnosis is your parent or your in-law, you need to really think about how that illness is going to affect your marriage. It's hard sometimes to maintain a good marriage anyway. But when you have an in-law that has a dementing illness, You may end up with financial burdens, less time to go out on dates, less time to make love. Um, You have to be around your in-laws a whole lot more. You have more things that you're disagreeing over. You're bone tired. You're short on on your temper. And your kids can feel that. Um... You know, you have to find a way to disagree and and be okay with disagreeing and hopefully not be too demanding on each other and be sympathetic about the time that that person has to spend with their mom or their dad because they're trying to make it so that they can live with grace and dignity and quality of life and not suffer the failure to thrive. Okay? And and. And that person might find themselves torn between the needs of their parent that is impaired and the expectations of their wife or husband 
and also the expectations of their brothers and sisters. And it's so easy to take frustrations out or your fatigue out on the people that we love and the people that we trust, which are our spouses and our children, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things that can cause us to be upset, critical, you know, or even feel like you just need to run away sometimes. You just need to scream in a pillow. You need to, you know, keep the tension from attacking your marriage just because you're trying to take care of your parent. And how do you have those discussions? How do you maintain a good relationship with your family and your your spouse and everybody in the face of all this stress? You've got to find time and energy for each other to be able to talk to each other, to be able to get away, to be able to, you know, get in the hot tub at night or go for dinner or a movie or something like that. And with family members, I strongly recommend sending them books for Christmas. Seriously. Um, other things that you could do is uh, set an agenda and have a family meeting once a month to talk about the decline of the person and the changing needs and and how to recognize unmet needs and their mood swings and changes and all that kind of stuff. And just have monthly meetings with an agenda and ask everybody, for God's sake, just get on the phone with me. Get on a Zoom or something and work with me. Because I'll tell you what, when when a family doesn't agree and most of the, most of the burden is on one person, that is unbelievably stressful. And you need respite. You need time out. You need encouragement and support and help and people to step in. And if nothing else, just listen. Maybe they don't have to fix anything. Could they just Listen to the things that you need to get off of your chest. And if you're not getting criticism or not enough help from your family, it's usually not a good idea to let that resentment smolder. You're going to have to take the initiative to change things in your family. And you're going to have to figure out a way to get those long-established conflicts out of the way. You're going to have to figure out how to handle the stuff that's complex, the the p- painful role changes that are happening. Um, the first thing you need to do is just recognize that these are these are the hangups that people have, and knowing what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are will help you enormously to get those roles, you know, designated out. Um, Recognize that certain certain tasks could be symbolic of important roles in the family, you know, from where people are in the hierarchy or where they are in the family. Have somebody that finds out everything they can about the disease and then help them to help other people learn about the illness and how it will affect the person with the diagnosis and how it will affect the family. Um People that live out of town can go to Alzheimer's Association uh, in your local area and go to meetings in your community. You know, there's a lot of different things that people can do. I decided to sort of be the information resource person in my family and learn everything I could about the disease. And I ended up, you know, teaching my family what was going on with my mom. And it made us all so much better for it. And knowing what that person is still able to do and what they cannot do helps a bunch. So we're not totally taking over things that we don't need to. We can allow them to be still a part of paying those bills for a little while. They're just not writing out the amounts and they're not writing the checks, but they can sit there and and listen with you. Um, 
these are this is this is an ongoing process. There's so many changes along the road. There's so many ways that you, as a family member, can step in and help if you want to. You can learn. You can do this. You can get through all the adversity. Get a family support group together for yourself. See if you can find somebody that's a mediator or find a doctor that will let you come in and have the family all sit and, and talk about what's going on. I'll tell you what, you'll end up laughing. You'll have tears and you'll have laughter and you'll have all kinds of things going on. You know, all anybody really needs is love and encouragement and support and understanding that they're doing the best they can as the person trying to guide the family and trying to designate roles. And if nothing else, tell your family that if they're not helping you, that you just need that love and support. You need that encouragement. You need each person to figure out where they fit into this game and ask them to figure out what they do well and what they're willing to do. Are they willing to send money for clothes when the person is eating too much or eating too little? Are they willing to learn about hospice and share with the family about what the role of hospice is? Are they willing to pay for the medications? Are they willing to take on the financial aspect? Are they willing to come in for the day-to-day care and make sure that the person that has the impairment has food on a daily basis? Are they willing to hire a home care company or someone to come in and work with your person and engage them in meaningful uh, activities? Are they willing to come over at night and give mom or dad a bath or a shower? You know, what are they willing to do? What are they willing to do? And what's it going to cost each person? Is there a financial piece to this? Or is it just an emotional piece? Is it somebody that can come in and put safety locks on all the drawers and maybe put new locks on on the doors? Um, Is it somebody that can come in and go through some of the junk that's in the house? Make a list of all these things that you need your family to do and then say, who would be willing to take this, this, and this and make it part of your an addendum to your agenda and send it out to everybody and have a once a month Saturday meeting at 9 a.m. You know, and I hear people say, there is no way I'll get my family together to talk about things like that. You know? I can't get so-and-so on, even on the phone to discuss it. And if we do get together, it'll just be a big fight. And if this is your family, I know you're discouraged. I know. And you probably feel trapped because they won't help. But these are ways that you can you can break down what's happening throughout the day, what's happening throughout the month and the year, and put it down in black and white. Take a video of your person, more than one, and share it with your family members. Let them see that person in action with those repetitive questions or wedding on the seat in the, on the couch um, that doesn't know how to use a utensil that is driving erratically and you're having to have a conversation about that. Take a picture, take a video of them when they say, who are you and why are you in my home? Give them a glimpse into what you're doing. And if that doesn't get them off the stick, then maybe find a family counselor, a social worker, a minister, you know, Whatever it takes to get it to where it's equitable and everybody is working together. 
And one of the advantages to seeking an, a, a counselor is that the counselor can be objective and help the family keep the discussion, you know, on the subject and on the problems you face and not drift into old arguments. You know, a doctor, a social worker might be able to intervene on your behalf and convince everybody involved of the need for a family conference to discuss whatever is concerning, okay? Um, sometimes a family attorney can be that person. It'll cost you 300 bucks an hour, so good luck with that. But you could ask them. You know, chances are they know your family pretty well and they can help with stuff like that. You know, the way I look at it is you need your family. And when somebody is sick with a dementia, that's a great time to put aside your old conflicts for the sake of that person. You know, if your family can't resolve all your disagreements, you can, in a discussion, find one or two things that you do agree on and then encourage everyone to talk about that and then just that. And the next month when you have a conversation, you can get on to the other things. Building blocks. Building blocks. It, whatever it takes to get you there. Because the last thing I want is for you to feel frustrated or hopeless. You know, that just... That just sucks. <laughs> it just does. And all it's going to do is make the person that you're caring for feel like they're a burden. And nobody wants that. And whatever you have to do to get an occasional break, find respite in your community, apply for a... Um, where they give you money through Easter seals. They give you money for respite, but you have to apply for it. Um, ask a friend to come over and spend an hour so you can go get some coffee or get your hair done or something like that, okay? Do whatever you can to find that help that you need. And really, I'm hopeful that despite all the differences families have, that usually they can resolve their disagreements enough just to pull together for long enough to get that person the help they need. And like I said, if they are just not willing, if you've tried everything I've talked about today, then tell them to just walk away. But don't call you and criticize you for the way you are caring for the person or anything else. Okay? Avoid avoid criticizing because that doesn't lead to anything constructive. Just tell them to walk away. Nobody likes to be criticized. A lot of people try to ignore it. Um, even if your criticism is valid... You know, say it in a way that you can live with later if you if you have to walk away from people, okay? Make sure they completely understand the problems that you're facing and the problems that the person with dementia is facing um, and that you've done everything in your power to do what you can to bring the family together. And if not, you be the primary caregiver and make the final decisions. That's just how it's going to have to roll. Okay? I don't want that to happen to any of you, but if if that happens, then you have to take on a role of finding help. You have to hire the care a person that comes in, the caregiver that comes in. You have to find the medical care. You have to find the supportive equipment. Um, just finding respite can be super, super helpful. Um, make sure that you are informed. 
that you learn as much as you can about the disease and then move forward in the best way that you possibly can. And when you get to the end of this situation, when you get to the end of the of the disease and the person is no longer eating and the person is no longer walking there bedridden, that's where you need to say to yourself, I have done everything I could do and now I'm going to let this person die with grace and dignity and I'm going to do my best to help them now with the process of dying. And you can do it. You can do it. So many of you caregivers have done it by yourself for such a long time. I just wanted to try and offer a chance today to maybe uh, tell you how to involve other people in the family. Um, I hope I've given you some ideas. But there are some of us who are just plain stuck and those family members won't help. But do what you can because I don't want you to be alone. And don't give up. And if you need to, email me and I'll try to help you with anything I can help you with. You can always reach me at jill at summitresiliencetraining.com. You can call my office. Please don't call after 8 p.m. <laughs> Actually, don't call after 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, 303-420-6988. I love getting your emails. I love getting your phone calls. Visit my website, summitresiliencetraining.com, because I have a wealth of information on there. And I apologize that I have been a little intense today, but it has just really come to my attention with several families of how difficult it is when they're not getting any help and I wanted to address it today. How can we resolve those family conflicts? I hope I was helpful. I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.